Hello, and welcome to the History of Haiti. In the last episode, we watched as Giffard's popularity wavered and then collapsed when he dissolved the Haitian House of Representatives. In this episode, following the most common fate of the Haitian leaders, Giffard will be overthrown and sent into exile. But unlike what had happened with the coup that had brought him to power, the overthrow of Giffard would not bring peace to Haiti. Instead, in this episode, I want to set up the civil war that will define his successor's presidency, as we will see next episode. So where Boyer had his Dumals, and where Salouk had his Girfard, Girfard, in turn, would have a main person responsible for his overthrow, and who would end up usurping him. That man was a cavalry officer named Sylvain Salnov. Salnov was born in 1832 to a colored family. This means that he spent the early years of his life living under the relative stability of Boyer. He came of age as Boyer fell and a string of Haitian leaders replaced him. Salnov grew up in the northern port city of Cap Haitian, a city which had not yet forgotten the time when it was the capital of Christophe's kingdom. Like almost everyone I have talked about, Solnov cut his teeth in the, the military. He joined the cavalry when he was 18. He served about a decade under Salouk, but chose to join Geoffroy's 1859 coup. After this, he was promoted. But in 1861, as I talked about last episode, the President Geoffroy backed down to Spanish aggression over his support of Dominican rebels. To Solnov, this was an offense to Haitian pride, as Giffard was backing down in the face of a foreign power. He bitterly denounced Giffard then, who did nothing to punish Solnov. But Solnov lie in wait for years, with boiling resentment for Giffard. After Giffard's 1863 dismissal of the Haitian legislature, Plots in Haiti to overthrow him increased drastically. In the summer of 1864, several different revolts occurred against him. The most notable was, of course, by Solnov. Ironically enough, Solnov tried to take advantage of hatred for Giffard's new dictatorial powers, even though he himself, at least once he took office, was opposed to liberalism and anything other than total dictatorial power for the president. In his first failed revolt, in July of 1864, Solnov personally assassinated the general in command of Cap Haitian, and then tried to launch a revolt among the soldiers. When this failed, Solnov fled to the neighboring DR, seeking aid. He got aid from a person we have already met, Buenaventura Baez who had returned to Santo Domingo. This established a political alliance between the two that we will see continue in the next episode. With Bayes's support the next year, in May of 1865, Solnov crossed back into Haiti with a group of Dominican soldiers. At this time, many Haitian farmers were facing an economic crisis. A cotton boom in Haiti 
caused by the United States Civil War and promoted by Giffard, had just collapsed. Many Haitians blamed Giffard for their economic troubles, and so were eager to join Sonov. So he had great success, even getting some of Giffard's soldiers to defect. He marched north, soon capturing the city of Cap Haitian, and there established a provisional northern government, with a leading council and a provisional president. Of course, he followed this up as he expanded along the coast and into the Artibonite. But Giffard did not let I back idly and let Solnov destroy his republic. He soon sent his army into the north under the command of several different generals on a campaign to recapture the lost territory taken by Solnov. One of these generals, and the one who would be the main character in the upcoming civil war, was a man named Nisaj Sajay. Sajay was born in 1810. So unlike Solnov, who was a lively 32, Sajay was quite a bit older. Like Solnov, Sajay was colored and joined the army early on. But unlike Solnov, and in spite of his loyalty to Giffard, Sajay was a real liberal, who seems to have actually cared about constitutions and split power. Under Salouk, Sajay served a decade in prison, but he was released and reinstated to a high command when Giffard took power. So Sajay took his soldiers, sailed up to the port of Molsan-Nicolas, and from there moved east towards Capetian. While Solnov refused to directly engage in battle, he was forced to take his army back to Capetian to avoid being cut off and the city being captured. Then, all of Giffard's soldiers moved on to Capetian and laid siege to the city. In all, about 8,000 of Giffard's soldiers besieged a city defended by only about 1,000. But the forts and defenses were strong, and Giffard refused to assault the city. So a long and drawn-out siege of the city began. This siege, in a really weird turn of events, would be broken not by Haitians, but by foreigners. Cap Haitian is a port city and it was frequented by foreign ships. When Giffard began his siege of Cap Haitian, he sent a Haitian naval ship up to blockade the city. He also critically began using a British ship to transport his soldiers around the area. In addition to this, some of Giffard's partisans in Cap Haitian began fleeing to the British consulate in Cap Haitian. But Solnov's men had also procured a small navy, and they sent a ship out to attack the British ship Giffard had been using to ferry soldiers. But, to defend this mere transport ship, a full British war brig named the Bulldog appeared. It chased off the rebels attacking the ship. Escalating the conflict, and in response to this quote-unquote attack, Solnov's forces stormed the British consulate in Cap Haitian and slaughtered the Haitians hiding there. Infuriated, the Bulldog then attacked and sank Solnov's navy, 
blew up the city's arsenal and then ran aground and was destroyed by its own crew, who fled onto another ship. Two other British ships appeared, and they began a true bombardment of Cap Haitian. In the chaos caused by this bombardment, Giffard's soldiers stormed the city with little resistance. So Nov himself fled onto an American ship. But before he did so, he ordered his soldiers to set fire to Cap Haitian, which ended up burning half the city down. And that was the end of his second revolt. As a bit of a side note here, this is an instance of gunboat diplomacy, a practice where foreign powers would interfere in Haitian politics while being supported by military force. This will become increasingly common, especially among the Americans. After the Civil War, and even as the Civil War was winding down, America in particular began adopting a more and more imperialistic foreign policy. In 1853, an American naval squadron forced Japan to open to trade. Another example, one which I'll talk about next episode, was when America came incredibly close to annexing the Dominican Republic. But the United States was not 100% for imperial expansion yet. Solnov, looking for a way to begin his revolt again, reached out to the United States, asking them for supplies and promising that he would favor them in economic and militaristic matters once he took power. This included him promising them the use of the Bay of Mont-Saint-Nicolas as a naval station. This bay was one of the most defensible spots in the Caribbean, but the U.S. rejected his offer. They were not ready yet. So while Giffard had managed to overcome that revolt, he was left in a far worse position after it than before it. To many Haitians, it looked as though Giffard had just used foreign soldiers against his own people. Giffard's popularity was further brought down by economic issues. Rumors of corruption spiraled around Giffard. The economy had deteriorated quite a bit, and so Giffard resorted to printing paper money. This, of course, just devalued the currency. With politics, the House of Representatives was once again filled with people in opposition to Giffard. To try to stop this, Giffard began to censor the press in an extremely unpopular move. The opposition to Giffard turned to unconventional means to fight him. While it's a little unclear, it looks like the opposition to Giffard began using arson as a weapon. In March of 1866, a fire burnt down a third of Port-au-Prince as rioters sabotaged relief efforts and pillaged, pillaged instead. Later that year, revolts started back up again. In July, Solnov returned to Haiti, this time attacking Gonaives, but the revolt was crushed. Another revolt started up in Hinche. Meanwhile, in the southern peninsula, Gangs of piquettes took advantage of the instability to loot and pillage as well. Many new conspiracies to revolt were uncovered, 
and so many people were sentenced to death for their plots. This just made Geoffroy look like a tyrant. Then there was a final pair of revolts in early 1867. On February 23rd, a hundred of Giffard's personal guards, described as some of the most professional soldiers in Haiti, mutinied. They gathered several hundred angry civilians and stormed the city's arsenal. Now armed, they attacked the presidential palace. But heroically, Giffard led a personal defense of the palace and successfully repulsed this attack. But this was a sign. Giffard tried some last-minute reforms, including having his salary, declaring that he would free the press, and giving blanket amnesty, but it failed. Giffard could see the writing on the wall. Just weeks later, in St. Mark, a guy named Victorine Chavalier, who I'll talk more about next episode, led a revolt and got other cities to join in. This made Giffard decide that fighting this revolt just wasn't worth it. So he disguised his family, abdicated power, and left Haiti for Jamaica. He would die 12 years later at the ripe old age of 76. In the end, he would outlive Solnov by almost a decade. The fall of Giffard, as I have just explained it, is a little paradoxical. Giffard is viewed by most historians as one of the best Haitian presidents of the 19th century. He attempted to modernize the economy, tried very hard to reform education and religion, and while he was occasionally brutal towards his political rivals, did not engage in anywhere near the mass bloodshed of Salouk. But Giffard had certainly made some mistakes. He had assumed dictatorial power rather than sticking to his the liberalism that so many Haitians had wanted. To many Haitians, he looked corrupt, although these allegations are debatable. His use of the military to end revolts worsened his popularity. In addition to all of this, Haiti had, as I talked about before, a sort of caldeo system of political loyalty. When Giffard took power, many people in the government many local leaders, and many military commanders remained partisans of Salouk. But like Giffard, Sonov would face this problem as well. For him, the most prominent of the leftover political leaders was Nisaj Sage, and he and Sonov would plunge the country into civil war. The final words Giffard is said to have spoken in Haiti were, Poor country! what a state of anarchy will follow my departure.